This is Jake with a short prologue before this week's episode about returning to games around the table. First, and most importantly, I want to reiterate that Brendan and I are strongly advocating for everyone to continue using the utmost caution during this still ongoing pandemic. The last thing we would want is for any of our listeners to do anything unsafe to return to in-person gaming just a little bit sooner. We know that conditions are different all over the world, so we recommend, at a minimum, following the guidelines of your local health professionals and experts. Also, let me ease your concerns. This is not a show about the pandemic. Instead, we discuss the variables at play when we do gather around the table after so much time away. It's a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Secondly, we are aware that there was a small issue with Brendan's mic this episode. We know the issue and will resolve it for the next one. The show is still 100% listenable, I promise, but perhaps not up to our own high standards for audio quality that we try to achieve. And finally, for our pre-planners out there, I want to let you know that next week we will be diving into the Lost Ruins of Arnok, which you can play on Board Game Arena. Following that, we'll be covering one of my favorite games, Keyforge. I highly recommend you check out both games ahead of time. And if you want to talk about them or are just looking for people to play with, then hit us up on our Discord, which you can find a link to in the description of this podcast. Okay, that's it. So please now enjoy the show. You've been here before. In the middle of a great game with good friends, and it's your turn, and you want to do X. The thing about X is, it's your best move, but there's a catch. If you do X and the next player, well if she does Y, then X won't achieve what you want at all. But you don't know what she's gonna do. And more importantly, you don't know if she knows what you want to do next. But you have a guess. So you make your move and do... Z. At that moment, wherever you are, you're here with us in Decision Space. Hop in the interdecisional spaceship because this is Decision Space, the only podcast that takes place right here between the turns of your favorite games. I'm Jake. And I'm Brendan. And today we are doing something a little different. Uh, It is an experimental episode where we have no set outline Uh, we're just here to talk and our general topic is returning to in-person gaming just thinking through you know our feelings on it as we sit right now uh anxieties challenges and then excitement for that does that sound good to you brendan Sounds great. I can't wait. It's sort of like a an in-between stops trip, so we're just chatting on the on the flight. Yeah, exactly. And pull back the curtain a little bit. We've sort of talked about, you know, wanting to make most of our episodes evergreen, not doing too much news and, and current events. This is a departure for that, but Brendan, to your point, I think, you know, this is kind of an important time capsule of this. Yeah, interesting time. And I think that, you know, hopefully there'll be some insights here 
that will be relevant even even beyond just this moment but you know maybe it's a you know there'll be some snippets here and there that are helpful if you're just entering the hobby or maybe playing for the first time with a new group of people definitely let's as we are you know known to do on almost every episode except for you know two <laughs> Uh, so we're batting like 60% here. <laughs> get, get started with the Where Is My Mind, uh, which is actually the correct title of the segment. Not What's On My Mind, Brendan. <laughs> oh my gosh. If you don't mind uh, get starting us off here, where is your mind today? Yeah, I would love to. So I am really excited because I got an email today. I, it's always fun when you get game-related emails. And the email was from someone named Ray Wares, who is the, uh, he actually founded Calliope Games. And it was that the Calliope Game Nights extravaganza games that I backed are coming to me. So I'm really excited. So my game, Enchanted Plumes, was actually in that package. And yes, I backed the Kickstarter also because I wanted access to the other games. So it was this package with uh, Enchanted Plumes, my game, and then Allegory and Mass Transit. And then I added on Suro, but the Phoenix edition. So I'm just really excited because I, I that game, the Sorrow Phoenix edition, looks beautiful. And then I'm excited to try the other games, Vast Transit and Allegory. I've obviously played Enchanted Plumes quite a bit. Uh, but I'm excited to have another copy of that as well. And then just have games that my wife and I can sort of play the two of us and dive into. I think she's going to be a really big fan of Sorrow. Um, and I'm curious to try Mass Transit with her. She's refused to play. I really like playing co-op games with her, but she's made a rule that we she's not going to play Pandemic during the pandemic. Um, it, I, I don't know if she still has the rule. Towards the beginning of the pandemic, I, I sort of said, maybe we should play our Pandemic Legacy version. She was like, I'm not touching that. No way. It, it's too close to home. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but Mass Transit's a cool little co-op game about getting a few pedestrian or a few travelers home via rails roads and potentially boats so be interesting it's like a limited communication co-op game so what's on my mind is i'm excited to try some new games and then i'm also excited for people to be receiving one of my games to be trying enchanted plumes i'm like it's it's very tense it's sort of like it's like releasing a podcast but on amped up to 27 instead of just 11 like waiting to see if people enjoy the thing you made and, and hoping they do we shall see. What's on your mind, Jake? Let's uh, stay on that for a second, because I'm so glad you brought up uh, your game, Enchanted Plumes. I'm also glad that you said uh, Calliope games before I did, because in my head, that was like, I was 100% thinking Calliope. <laughs> yeah, nice. I've heard that one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to give you like a huge congratulations on that amazing accomplishment of getting a published game, having it out there, having it finally get into people's hands i mean what an amazing accomplishment really oh thank you jake that's so kind of you and i also want to say that you know you you sent me a copy of the game which i was really you know you didn't have to do that i was grateful to get it and and try it out and i've been this is going to sound like i'm just shilling for your game <laughs> but in uh, clearly you know i'm, I'm biased right sure. uh you know but I you know, I've been playing it with with my wife Bridget who is a very discerning kind of game player does not like a lot of games and we've been having a, a blast with it it really fits right into that kind of niche of games like you know Azul Fox in the Forest King Domino in terms of of weight um, which which are good ones for us you know that we can you know break out play in fifteen minutes or so and it's not 
a whole like game game night you know we can and then we can continue on our on our day those are easier to get out for us and bridget is loving it she she told me that uh that she gave it an 8.5 out of 10 at the time i was not sure if she would have rated any games in existence higher than a nine (laughs) (laughs) i've since learned that she gives uh a pandemic legacy a 10 Mysterium, a 9.5, Mansions of Madness, a 9, and then Enchanted Plumes, 8.5, her fourth favorite game of all time. And we played a lot of games together. So it's, you know, it's been a huge hit for us, and I'm really enjoying it, too. So awesome. I'm so thrilled that Bridget enjoys it. And I also just love hearing the feedback, too, that it's been able to fill that niche of being able to fit in different moments throughout your day. Because the impetus for the game, there were two, like, when I sat down to make it, I was like, okay, this should be a game that people can play with their gaming hobby friends or their parents. That was definitely in my mind. I was like, I need to make a game I can play with my mom. Um, I don't know why. And then also a game that you could fit into idle moments in your day was very much on my mind also, because I like, similar to you and Bridget, I really like when my wife and I can sneak a game in over lunch or just in the morning before work, we were doing that for a little while. And I I think it's important to leave room in your life to fit games wherever they can fit and not have them have to have a dedicated moment to them. Like breakfast games. Awesome. Totally. Yeah. It's like, if if you're listening to music, right, it's nice to have like a, yeah. you know, if you're a big music, it's nice to have like a, a record player and some vinyl and you can like make it really an event to like turn that on and like get out the record and listen to your favorite album. Um, but to be honest, I'm a, I'm a lot more likely to pop on Spotify than I am to do that. And so, you know, I think it's nice that, you know, gaming can fill similar sort of niches in our day. Totally. So, yeah, congratulations again. Thank you. And, and and I hope other people uh, seek it out and get a chance to try it. Thank you. I hope so, too. Also, quickly, Jake, did you have the chance to try for a six a six uh, base plume yet? I haven't yet. No. Five is my highest so far. Five's, yeah. It, five's the reasonable upper limit, I think. Yeah. I think we both like games that, like, allow for that sort of shooting for the moon, yep. you know, and, and, and knocking off the achievements, so. Some So that's certainly one I'll be keeping my eye on in future plays. Let me jump over to tell you where my mind's at right now. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which is, I just want to do a uh, just a quick review of my friend Jamie Stegmeier, friend of the podcast game, uh, which he co-designed with Alex Smith, Red Rising. And this has been the first game I played in person with some friends. I've now played it three times and, you know, I'm happy to report that it's a game that I've really been enjoying. One thing that's been really cool is that first game night back, we played Red Rising and Enchanted Plumes, like two games designed by friends who I didn't know at all, you know, on a personal level. I mean, I guess I I was, you know, we had chatted online and stuff, but, you know, who, who I really became friends with over the course of the pandemic. And then to like have their games and be able to play them at that first game night back, it really did kind of add a little something special to that experience. But anyway, Red Rising is a pretty cool little game. I guess it's heavily based on Fantasy Realms, a mm. game I have not played, but it's very similar mechanisms going on if you have played that one. Um, where essentially on your turn, all you do is take a card out of your hand 
play it onto the board and you get to do an action uh, based on what the card says. And then you pick up a different card from the board, add that to your hand, and you get to do a power based on the board from wherever you took that card. And that's really like I've just pretty much taught you how to play the game, uh, which is something I've been really loving about it, which is that it's just like so easy to get to the table. Like the teach is so quick um, that I feel like it's a really kind of a welcoming gateway sort of, you know, not super, super lightweight, but, you know, almost along the lines of something like a Carcassonne, a Ticket to Ride. Uh, to play but with like a little bit more of a gamery feel so for me i think that that fits a really nice niche of kind of welcoming in people who are you know into trying like a really kind of like gamery strategy game but maybe don't have as much uh experience with that kind of game and all the kind of interlocking systems you typically find in these heavier strategy games uh so i've been really enjoying it for that Um, And it's just really nice. The decisions you're making on your turn are fun. You're picking up, you know, you're basically trying to craft your hand and create all these mini combos. Uh, Mm. And one thing I've been surprised about is how kind of few cards enter the system in in my plays so far. So you have like a huge stack. I'm I'm doing hand things, which is not helpful, but there's like a huge stack of cards that you put on the board. So you expect... I, at least, you know, I'm expecting that to be really heavily influenced in the game. But, you know, I've kind of found that it's pretty uncommon to get too many new cards. So you really have a more determinative puzzle than I was expecting of just manipulating the cards in the display that are out there at the beginning and what you have in your hand, uh, which which gives it really kind of like a nice and satisfying tactical feel that I was not expecting. Is there a mechanic too, Jake, remind me, it, that at the end of the game, you get certain bonuses for the cards in your hand also. So you're just trying to like jump between what you play and what you're holding on to. Yeah, exactly. So there's like each card has like a core value that's like, you know, could be anywhere from like seven points to like 25 or more, actually. Uh, and that's just points you get at the end of the game. And then they also almost universally have a conditional score where it's like this guy's worth 25 points. But if you pair it with you know, uh, a red card in your hand, then you get an extra 15 points, making it worth 40 at the end of the game. So it's kind of about like interweaving all these different conditional puzzle pieces to create a hand that, you know, ticks off as many boxes as possible while factoring in the deployabilities, right? What you're getting out of playing them on the board and, you know, picking up the ones that are obviously good for your hand, but also giving you the board powers you need. So there's definitely a lot going on there that really appeals to my sort of the tactical side of my game or my brain uh, in the game uh i i I do i would like issue a couple caveats because i don't think it's a game for everybody it's not uh super well balanced i would say Mm -hmm. uh, after three plays and i mean this could change but just some of the cards are clearly more powerful than others some cards allow you to add a new card to your hand without really much of a drawback at all and you know that you know as i just mentioned that could be essentially like gaining 40 points which is uh the ending scores are right around 200 so that's a so there's you can get a lot of points in this game but 40 points man that's still a big chunk um or or cards can like banish cards from your opponent's hand which is the same thing in inverse right like costing your opponent 30 to 40 points um 
So some cards just allow you to do that when you play them to the board, and other cards, you know, do almost nothing <laughs> by sure. comparison. It, like lets you like kind of shuffle around some of the board cards around the board or, or something along those lines. So you know, a game if somebody in their opening hand gets a couple cards that allow them to add new cards to their hand or you know banish cards from your opponent's hand, you know they're probably pretty likely to win the game. But you know we've talked about on the podcast before that you know. Uh, balances for wusses or what, what's the quote? <laughs> uh, balances for wimps. Balances yeah, for from wimps. Peter Alaka, cosmic encounter designer. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of has that vibe too, where it's it's sort of nice again as an entryway thing. A new person can come in, get get a few good combos going, and, and easily win the game on their first try. But you can you know do some things to mitigate it, and then the game is to me sufficiently quick enough. Uh, and does a good enough job like obscuring how many points everybody has that yeah. it's still engaging throughout. Like you can have a pretty good sense that the person that has, you know, seven cards, if you're sitting there with five, has more points than you. But you don't really know. And based on the conditional bonuses in the card, it's definitely possible, at least theoretically possible that you could make up uh, for that gap. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because I don't know if we would do a whole episode on it. Um, just just because of you know perceived and actual real bias towards friends of ours, um, but I did want to just share that we my group's been having a great time with it, and you know it's been we've now played it three times. It's one that everyone has been wanting to go back to at our subsequent nice. game nights together. It, that seems like the perfect sort of weight of game, almost in some ways, to jump back in. For I'm driven to that kind of weight of game in general. So in terms of going back to the table and getting back into the swing of playing games in person, I feel like that like sounds like it would be a home run. Yeah, and it's and, you know it's going to be totally group dependent. And my group and uh, and groups that I've had historically have been very mixed. I've, I feel like I've always kind of been at the furthest end of the spectrum towards like serious board game enthusiasts. Uh, and, and typically the people that I'm gaming with are folks that I know from other aspects of my life that I'm bringing into the hobby. And this one has worked really well nice. for people who who like games but aren't necess- don't necessarily have their own calyxes full of games at home. Sure, totally. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's a good segue to our main topic, which is just to kind of touch base on our the return to in-person gaming. So, Brendan, do you want to maybe just start us off here by kind of telling us where you're at in in, in your life with this uh you know are, have you been able to game in person yet or uh or how close is it for you yeah so i i'm really excited for this conversation jake because i feel like the two of us are in slightly different spaces with it i'm getting my second dose of the vaccine tomorrow actually so i'm very excited about that my wife got her second dose today so that's a, a huge exciting feeling the where we live i think we're starting to run up against the wall of people who wanted access to the vaccine have gotten it and then there's still a large group who are vaccine averse and are not going to get vaccinated and our cases are regrettably still pretty high even given the level of vaccine load that we have um it's also i'm in a student community just the city is a college town so there's there's lots of people coming this time of year um and the weather's gotten nicer so our cases are going up and my wife is also pregnant which is amazing uh and so exciting but makes us feel a little bit more hesitant in terms of just wanting to be really careful with exposure so I have not yet had the pleasure of doing something 
playing an in-person game night with a bunch of people outside of playing spades recently uh, with two vaccinated, fully vaccinated friends outside, which was really spectacular. Um, but not quite the like depth of let's have a board gaming night that I'm craving. Um, beyond, so for me, I think this conversation will largely be uh, theoretical and how excited I am for this still to come, hopefully later this summer um, or at some point in the future. I will, I will get to play games again. I had a friend, actually, a designer friend who was like, let me know when you're fully vaccinated because I also just miss meeting up with people and seeing the games that they're working on. So that feels sort of a similar niche for me as well. Um, and we always like to bring new games also and just sort of say, like, what do you think of this design? And, and yeah, but so that's kind of where I'm at, uh, still sitting on the edge craving uh, the opportunity to play. And also, once we do get back to in-person play, some of my favorite people to play board games with don't even live in the state. They're sort of friends who I... I grew up in Oregon, then moved to Texas, now live in Connecticut. So a lot of my friends who I love, when we see, we'll just play like hours and hours of games. I don't know when we're going to get to play again because planes are still... I, I mean, everyone has their own capacity for what they feel comfortable with, what they feel is safe for them right now. Um, but travel this summer for me still feels off on the horizon though we'll see how about you jake do you want to talk about with where you're at and you mentioned a little bit on the podcast already i'm smiling because i'm excited for you and yeah yeah absolutely so i um was fortunate to get like an excess vaccine dose early on that kind of put me a little bit ahead of the curve uh, in my area uh, to become fully vaccinated so uh, I guess a couple weeks back now was my, you know, two weeks after the second mm-hmm. dose, uh, you know, the recommended for, you know, the full efficacy of kind of what you're going to get. Um, so I have been able to play kind of cautiously dip my toes back into playing in person with friends. I've only played with people who are, you know, similarly at the fully vaccinated uh, status, which is what I would recommend. I I mean, we're obviously uh, not public health professionals yes. here. So all I can advocate for is that you follow the guidelines of your county and, and the CDC. Uh, and then, of course, like your own, uh, I guess, ethos for, for what you feel comfortable with and the risk that you and the people around you feel comfortable with. Uh, so it's certainly not a one size fits all deal here. But yeah, I have been able to come back to playing games and it has been i mean very very welcome uh, and also you know kind of interesting in in just the way that i guess the reality has met up with what my expectations of returning to games in person inside with with friends would be like I have a, a leading, a quick question to kick things off. Do you enjoy shuffling more or less than you thought you would after a break from having to shuffle in games like Star Realms and stuff? We've talked about how like oh, this is so much better without shuffling. Like, how's the experience of hitting the table with Red Rising and shuffling a deck of cards with? Uh, shuffling cards, I I like to do. I think it's <laughs> a, a satisfying, um, you know, yeah. tactile deal. I like the sound of it. You know, I cut my teeth playing Magic the Gathering. So, you know, I can do the cool, uh, you know, shuffle just the corners together and then like bridge it. So I I do enjoy that. Other aspects like setting up the game, you know, (laughs) and putting it away. 
Not so much. Yeah. That doesn't really do anything for me. (laughs) (laughs) So you weren't setting up a game uh, weekly during the pandemic just to remember what it felt like? No, I did play a couple of solo games over the course of the pandemic to, I don't know, I guess just like interact with my investment of board games (laughs) in some way. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes get, get the craving for it, but I'm not like a big solo player. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there are some solo games that I definitely enjoy, but for me, like the barrier to entry of like actually going, picking out a box, setting it up on my table, like refreshing the rules and playing it is usually too high to the point where it's just so much easier to watch a show on Netflix or play a video game or something along those lines that totally. So I guess rather than sending you down a detour, this is all about being back at the table with other human beings and getting that feedback in terms of the experience. So how has it been? You talked a little bit a couple of weeks ago in aware, where's my mind about the potential anxiety? Like, will I even like games anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just weird because I think this experience, you know, like it or not, and and I'm not saying that this is negative wholly or even necessarily in part, but I think the experience of this pandemic has definitely changed all of us in some mm, ways. Definitely. And I feel like it has made me more introverted in some ways, um, mm. just because, right, I've been living by myself in, in my house. So it's just interacting with people has been something throughout my whole life right that's been like a really really energizing for me Mm -hmm. but coming back to have some opportunities to like be social again in in an in-person way like i guess this is not directly related to gaming but some of my friends like it was like after work on a friday and they're like oh we're down at the park at like the beer stand you know if anyone wants to run down and i feel like at almost any other point in my life that would have been like something I would have done really quickly. But like when it it just hit me differently, I was just like, Oh, I don't know if I like have that capacity. Like I'm just done with work. There's stuff I need to do around the house. And, and I ended up not, not going down there. (laughs) Um, And I, and I just like had to recognize like that is sort of a change in me. And, you know, that might also sort of affect my propensity to, play games like how often i'll want to meet up with people um and and, and what the experience would be like even the type of game that you might want to play when you do meet up with people i think i'm very much going to be in that same situation and i talked a little bit in our discord recently actually about how i'm i wouldn't say nervous but i'm very much in the same headspace of i've been in my house for a very long time only spending time with my wife and it's been um I've gotten used to existing that way socially. So I'm a little bit anxious about how social interactions will go. And I think you mentioned that this, regardless of how people feel, pandemic has sort of changed the way that we interact with people. And I think games have been designed for, all games have a certain complexity budget. And I think a lot of times that ends up being like a mental complexity budget, but there's also a social complexity budget. And I think a lot of our, um, 
the size of our budget, how much time we can invest into the social aspects of games, uh, we might have a lower tolerance in some ways and that might have to be built back up. So certain games that maybe used to be really re- relaxing or fun that are all about social interaction might be more um, more emotionally draining. I could see there was a time where I could sit down and play four games of The Resistance back to back. And I adore that game, but that sounds exhausting. And, you know, I think we also need to, you know, consider that, you know, as we globally are able to safely come back to gaming again, that everyone is in the same sort of headspace and dealing with things um, differently. So, like, you know, when I play games around the table, uh, I'm pretty, I can be like, you know, pretty jokey um Mm. you know poking fun at my opponents uh uh, you know cracking jokes you know at their expense like all in in good fun in the course of the game and i found myself falling right back into that like just like you know oh you took that card moron (laughs) Like, (laughs) like that kind of thing um you know where i'm secretly like dang it i wanted that card um but uh I I was I found myself falling right back into those same patterns of playing games uh kind of you know like riding a bike like my table mm. presence was something kind of maybe surprisingly that just came back very strongly in the same way but I was sort of thinking like is this okay in the same way that it would have been last year when you know just the same people like my regular gaming buddies we play weekly and it's it's you know that's how we interact and it, and it's like expected but coming back after a year of not playing and somebody's calling you a moron is that still okay uh you know so i had to you know after the game i did have to kind of check in with my friend like uh, i think i was kind of being a jerk and he was like no you know not at all type of deal but i think in some ways like it did make me feel like I did have that thought like, oh, I wish I wasn't (laughs) leaning so hard into this kind of like jokey jerk guy persona. (laughs) Sure. That's really interesting of like, is the magic circle still the same? Have we been? Yeah. Because in some ways it's based on too, like when you do joke with your friends in that way, there's this expectation that they're going to get you back in some ways, like that they'll be able to return the favor. But if you're only playing a few games really rarely, is it happening as much? But obviously it's great that you checked in with him too. And you were like, did I overstep a boundary there? Right. Um, Yeah. I actually really like playing games with you when you are speaking that way, especially castles of Burgundy, because it's good. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is a weakness in my play because joke is joke. Jake is joking, but I shouldn't have done that. It was really stupid. It's specifically Castles of Burgundy too. That's where I get where you really read me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that uh question of the magic circle has it changed is a really important one and it's also one that's like hard to have with your group because yeah. you know, we don't like the magic circle is something, you know, that exists kind of this social contract we're all engaging with as we play the game but it's not something that's usually spoken about so it's i think i think there is a little bit in returning to game there is like a little bit of precariousness to coming back to the same type of magic circle that you had before 
um, because of all the reason that we're saying, and then also I think um, it's important to note too when they have re- it's like your relationships with all these people have necessarily changed mm. over this period too, because if somebody's your gaming buddy and you lost touch with them over this past year because like you your main interaction with them was sharing games together you might not feel right that might change you know the dynamics of your relationship which is going to factor into um to that magic circle and on the other end of things right if if somebody that you gained with is someone that you've been in regular contact with over the course of the pandemic then you know maybe maybe you're you know closer friends in some ways um than before and i think all those things just kind of impact how how your how your game play session goes and that was just something that i hadn't really considered as much until sitting around the table and it's like okay my my relationship with these people are different now yeah I feel like that for me is really going to play into how often I ask my non-game playing friends to play games also. Um, I have a lot of friends who our relationship is such that they would come over and we would hang out. And then at some point I would ask, hey, do you want to play a game? And they would say yes, but they weren't necessarily seeking out games themselves or building their own game collection. And I think with those people, I'm going to be really careful at first about asking them to do that because I know they once we start being able to socialize more regularly again, are going to be really excited just to socialize. And I'm going to have to tamp down some of the like, okay, but let's play a game. Okay, but let's play a game. You know? So that's something I'll have to be more cognizant of. Whereas before it was so easy to be like, and there's already a game sitting on the table. It's not if this is going to happen, it's when are we going to play this game tonight? Um, so it's sort of, I'd like the a similar version though with people who like aren't excited and meeting for the explicit purpose. Or even just like when we do focusing maybe on more social games. Like I know that one game I'm really looking forward to playing is Celebrity. This in the tabletop spaces also has the game name Monikers. Um and it's basically just like Shrades Plus in some ways. And I'm really excited to just do that, you know? Like in, in Celebrity you just write the only difference really is you write your own things. Your own right. uh yeah. Which is so great. I, I, I totally hear you. And I also okay. think that's like a prime example of, you know, some of the, the challenges of this where, you know, you're essentially, you know, socializing may be a little bit out of the people's comfort zones yeah. um, in the first place. And now it's like, let's just relax and have everyone do improv for each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, sure. that's like a pretty that's big true. leap. Yeah. That's okay. That is true, Jake. Not that you shouldn't play that. And I'm sure you'll have a great time, but it's just something to sort of consider. I wonder one thing that I'm curious about is almost all of the sort of social games that I've played in terms of, we just talked about like uh, social deduction games a little bit like resistance there. A lot of social games are competitive and I wonder if we'll start to see post pandemic, more collaborative social deduction games. Um, there's a few but what give me an example of one uh so isn't dixit sort of like no 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 you're no, picking that's, com- that's competitive is mysterium i haven't played mysterium yes but i don't know that mysterium is a 
particularly social game. I guess you are. You can collaborate with people about what each card means. So I'd say that that fits. But I wonder if we'll start to see even more collaborative. And I guess I don't have an example because I can't really think of a game. But maybe that's a space we'll start to explore more. As in our social interactions, we with in-game spaces, we'll want to explore more uh, collaborative elements rather than competitive elements. You know, like instead of looking to conflict, looking to how we can have these experiences where we create something new. I don't know. I really like that idea and it's sort of just flipping the paradigm on its head where, you know, in the past reality, the Uh past world, right? Uh, In general, most of your, you know, interactions with with people are are pleasant, right? You're (laughs) nice going along to get along. So what a fun break it is to you know, be around the people you really love and know, and then you get the opportunity to like lie to their face and <laughs> yep. be really like underhanded and deceitful. And, and I like how you're kind of proposing like, well, what if like there was a game that existed where we could like get together and just like genuinely compliment one another? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't that sound lovely? <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> or like a game. What if there was a game can I pitch a game idea to you really quickly? Uh, yeah, please. Okay, this is a game title that I've been thinking about for a long time. It's called Werewolf Workplace. But you're all just trying to make sure that your friend who's a werewolf doesn't end up staying too late at work and turning into a werewolf and eating someone. So you're trying to like help each other get enough work done at work such that the boss won't be pissed you all leave before the full moon comes out. That's amazing. It's like the <laughs> like prioritize self-care at work, the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, that's a that's a great idea. I hope uh, I hope I hope you continue to uh, kick that idea around and make it bigger than a pitch. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds really interesting. Oh, thanks. Jake. Well, one other sort of thing I wanted to get your ear on is not only have our relationships with the people that we used to game with changed, but we may have also you know gained new friends either mm. work or. Um, hobbies or, or, or any other reason uh, that we might now, you know, be wanting to continue building those new friendships and relationships and, and want to, you know, bring new people into our gaming circle. Um, and I think, you know, again, it's just kind of uh, interesting dynamic because of, of, you know, how foreign this all feels. I'm just curious if you have any sort of thoughts on that and like when, when you come back into gaming hopefully, or sorry, back to in-person gaming, hopefully sooner rather than later. If if you have, you know, if you expect to be playing with new folks, and if so, do you have any sort of ideas for how you might want to bring them in? Yeah, that's such a good question. I hope so. Um, In thinking about it, I imagine I would probably end up, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who I'm around right now, who I would who would be new that I would show games that I wasn't before though, maybe a little bit at work just as like a, a way to casually bring things up during lunch. And I wonder what games I would show them. Um, definitely lighter games. I would love to, I think King Domino is like a really easy starting place with a lot of people. Um, I can see myself showing King Domino to people at work just because it's so simple. Um, but I think the biggest thing will also be for me just like, pushing myself outside of my comfort zone again and trying to find new people who want to and are comfortable getting together to play games. Um, Because that's something I really miss. So much of what I'm actively doing 
right now and will continue to do is just like seeking games out myself to play, whether it's virtually on Board Game Arena or on Yukata or or it's sort of having you say, Brendan, why don't we play this game, which has been awesome. But the experience of sort of going and sitting down at a table at a, like a local game shop and having someone be like, do you want to play this game? This just came out. And I'm like, sure, let's play it. Show me what it's about. And I think that that's like a, a much lower investment opportunity to just sit down and have someone else teach you the rules um, and then get going. It, the I've in, in those scenarios, I've invested so little and it's hard to be in a situation right now where you're investing a little bit and then getting to play a game. Like even just in some ways going and watching a rules video, isn't that different than having someone teach you the game? But for some reason it feels that way to me. I guess I just feel like I have to pay more attention because I can't ask the person who's teaching me from a rules video, like rules questions as we're playing. Like I have to know how to play the game at the outset or the computer will tell me and I'll just click on stuff until I figure it out. So um, it's like, what? It'll let me do one of these things. One of these buttons has to be an action, right? Ex- exactly. Yeah, we, we've both been doing that, I think, <laughs> in, in the same game that we're going to talk about in a few weeks. That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, but I really miss being able to learn games where, like, here are the, here's the 60% of what you need to know off the start, and then just ask me a question. Um, that feels mostly missing from my game playing, and I'm really excited to have that happen again. And with people I don't know, but who I play games how about you it seems like you might have people in mind yeah so a couple of people that i've you know interacted with through my work i started a new job at the very beginning last may so i've almost been in this role like one year on the nose um and there are some folks through there that i've you know had conversations with that you know, that are just like, get to know you, like have expressed that, you know, playing games is, is one thing that I'm really into and, and people have, you know, expressed interest. So I would love to, at some point, uh, get to know these colleagues better and uh, over games. And I also think that there, you know, might be some opportunity where folks maybe through uh, no choice of their own have, have been playing more games at home or have, mm. you know, maybe paid a few more visits to that uh, game closet, that stuff from with mass market games, you know, whether it's playing Scrabble or, or words with friends on their phone, you know, that I think because of this world we've been living to, uh, you know, there, there may be quite a few people uh, finding this hobby in ways that wouldn't maybe would not have discovered it through channels in in the olden days before this all happened (laughs) that's such a great point too jake i was actually just on a call with someone um who i i hadn't really met before but he was saying that he and his kids just started playing tons of games together at the start of the pandemic and they were seeking out new games to play because they'd realized how much they loved playing games together having sort of like a year ago they just we need something to do we're going to play games so that's i hadn't thought about it from that angle Um, but yeah, appetites probably will be significantly higher. Um, and maybe people are starting to get tired of the games. Like you were saying that they have in their closet and will be looking for new games. If you were, what are the games that you sort of are anxious or excited to show your work friends, your new work friends? So, so we have played a little dabbled a little bit into playing games online, uh, over lunch, we played, as as kind of a department and I've I've headed up this effort. Nice. Like it. <laughs> uh so we we've done a little bit of code names. 
Um, there's a really great free code names web based service, which I think is really important, right? It's a little bit more of a barrier to entry if you're like, all right, you're going to go on this website called Board Game Arena and create an account and then add me as a friend or whatever. Yeah. With like the code names one, you can just like, here's the link and you're just in that game. Uh, similarly, we've done Spyfall, which has a similar uh, web based app and that's that's a social deduction game but it's a little bit less uh maybe antagonistic than the resistance except for the one person who doesn't know except for the one person (laughs) who is just absolutely horrified when they realize they know nothing about what's going on it can be a little tough to get past that i would say that one wasn't as successful as code names but people still had fun nice um so that that's been cool i think like yeah, I was thinking about this too. I think the classics, like gateway games, are so for a reason. Uh, Carcassonne might be a go-to for me. I just think it's so pleasant and like easy enough to know what's going on uh, while still like introducing concepts that are going to be like totally new and interesting to someone who's only played like sort of roll and move or or mm. Scrabble type stuff. Um, and then I, I still own a copy of Ticket to Ride and have a blast whenever that hits the table. I think that's another uh, another really fun one that fun for kind of like all skill levels that people can really kind of grok instantly of like, oh, no, that person put down trains in a place that I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so that I think that kind of I, I have a most of the people I play games with are people that are. Uh, I think I already mentioned are, are people that are new to the hobby, people I know from outside gaming. Um, and actually my whole life, that's been the case. Like I've kind of been the bringer of games. So I have a well-stocked selection of gateway uh, games. We've got Azul, uh, Draftosaurus, you know, code names, plenty of, plenty of fun stuff. I think, you know, keep it light as much as you're excited to play to Zulkin and Castles of Burgundy and, and think like the, these games to me are so accessible and easy now that I've played so many games. I'm always surprised how much how many rules are in a game I love when I sit it down and explaining them to like a non-gamer. Yeah, totally. I really want to play, if we're just mentioning games we want to play too, or games we would play with people who are non-gamers, I would love to play modern art and I would also love to discuss modern art on the podcast. So if you ever have the chance to play modern art, I think it sort of fits that niche. I've played it some with my sister who doesn't play a ton of games, but it's just very, the objective of the game is so clear, like have the most money and the core gameplay loop is buy and sell things. Um, that it, I think it is very approachable and easy for anyone to jump into it. And it almost fills a similar role of being somewhat social. It's not really, but it's a really good table talk game. And the way that we play it, there's a little bit of like talking it up and investing a little bit into the story of different artists, even though that's like not something you need to do at all. It's like the blue color in the game. And you're like, oh, look at this masterpiece. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's back again with yet another world-changing portrait. (laughs) And you need this in your collection. Yeah, exactly. So that that's always fun, and I I don't know. Yeah, I would love to, and that's I played it once, and it was at a board game meetup, and I felt like people around the table were doing things that were just like like I could tell that they like 
either did not grasp it or didn't care, but like making moves where I'm like, that is 100% a net loss for you, right? Like there's no way that can be a good move. So like for that reason, it wouldn't strike me as one um, that would fit in well there. Like, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, like this is at worth at most $50 or whatever. And and you're bidding $51. And it's like, well, that can't be right. Definitely. But I feel like there's a little bit of when I play that game with newer players, I just like to remind people of like the baseline of just at the outside being like, okay, so the most that you're going to get for this painting at the end of the round is X amount. So, and that's if they're the most sold, just to remind everyone a little yeah. bit. Because it, it's definitely the sort of game, I've seen that too, Jake, where people get caught up in the moment and they're like, you're going around the table, it's an open auction. They're like, oh, I'll pay 56 for it. And it's yeah. at most giving you 40 or something. And that, yeah. can, and that can kind of blow it up, right? Because yep. whoever's ho- holding the gavel at that point is... They're like they're the only one winning. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm rubbing my hands together uh, for the people who are not watching us live, which is everyone. Yeah, <laughs> which is not Except for you. Possible. That's just yeah. for you, Brendan. <laughs> um, that's that's so cool. And then the other, the other, uh, and this is like a uniquely me thing. Maybe. Well, I'll, I'll put it in in terms that are maybe more uh, universal, but. I think I'll have the opportunity to play some games with like some serious gamers that I've mm-hmm. met at, at some point in the near future. And that's something like it's I think that's going to be really, really fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Some of the folks that have been uh, guests on this podcast. But I've honestly like never I've never really had friends who were as into gaming as me. Yeah, and I feel like that has very much influenced like the persona I take on, like the way I play games. So I'm just I have like a little bit of anxiety about playing games for the first time um, with some new friends. I bet that melts away in like the first round of play for you, and you're just like, "This is so awesome," and you're gonna enjoy it so much because the coming at it, you'll have so much energy where there's normally things that you don't that you're worried about in terms of making sure other people are having fun and, and all of these things that you'll be able to like put in the back burner. It's just like, that's enjoy the game together. You know, I, I hear where you're coming from, but I feel like it's going to be such a blast. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't want to be like, you don't want to jinx it. Yeah. Or like, Oh yeah. Like Jake's over here, APing or being (laughs) a jerk. I do feel like this is one thing that I wanted to mention earlier and now's a perfect moment to mention it. And that's, I think that, one thing that I'll have to practice is just being patient with other people. Uh, the experience of we're, we'll all be sitting at the table together. Like we, when we play games together, I can just take my turn and then I can go work in the garden or make dinner. And then I come back and take my turn. And that's something that's going to be so different. In some ways, I think my attention span has gotten better over the course of the past year, just because I'm reading more and have more time just thinking quietly to myself and that sort of thing. But at the same time, I could see how game wise, one, I'm going to just want to talk. If I'm actually in a room with people, I'm going to be so excited that I'm going to want to talk to them endlessly. And I, that can be a little bit much when someone's trying to take their turn and you're like, so what do you think about this mechanic? And like, why are you doing this this way? And do you think that that move was the right move? Or what do you think about this goal tracker? And I'm going to have to remember, like, you got to turn it off. Like people have to be able to take their turn in the game, (laughs) but we'll see. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, all kinds of new gaming groups will be being formed. Old gaming groups will feel new and different again. And it, I mean, it is at the end of the day, I think these are, you know, important things to think through. They can, you know, they're things that I think I'm, I'm probably not alone in experiencing like a little bit of anxiety about this. Um, and I think probably the only constant is that like, like whatever you're, and we've all been dreaming, right? Like we did on this podcast, like what's your, get what game are you going to play when you get back together? Uh, what's that? And, you know, so you, you kind of have like this, like, I think we probably many people have sort of like built up this like ideal game night, what it's going to be like when they get back. Um, and I think probably the only safe assumption of it, that is like, you know, whatever your kind of expectation is, it's, it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and it might be better. It might be different, but you know, people are different. And, and this experience has been one that has, I think, been profound in ways that we're only personally like, you know, just in the ways that's in, impacted each and every one of us are only kind of beginning to understand as we slowly and, and cautiously like emerge into social situations again. So I think you, you're absolutely right. And, and that like, you know, being patient, having fun and, and, and being grateful for the opportunity. Um, if you kind of hold those things close, then I don't think you can go too wrong. Totally. Yeah. This has been a really pleasant ride. I feel like, you know, that scene in Star Wars where they're just playing chess or they're playing the space chess, but then Chewbacca like gets mad that he loses. It's like that, except no mad Wookiees. That's right. Just a bunch of old, old Ben's playing playing Star Wars chess. Someone's going to get mad at me and be like, you don't know the name of that Star Wars chess? Yeah. No, yeah. it's like, a, have you seen the movie Pineapple Express? I have not. Oh, it, it's like, a, I mean, I don't know if it's like the greatest <laughs> but comedy ever but it's like a kind of like a buddy comedy and there's a scene totally. at the end where like kind of after the climax where it's like the main characters are just like sitting at a, a diner and they're just like recounting what happened it's like oh and then like you did this thing it's like that was so crazy <laughs> i kind of feel like there's like a little bit of like that vibe it's just like we've been through so much over this past year and now uh you know it's whether it's it's not obviously you know it's not over uh people still absolutely need to be cautious and safe and i think you know i completely uh commend you and think you're doing the right thing for you and your family and hopefully soon we'll all be back at the table together definitely i feel like the the end of the tunnel completely jay because i was thinking yesterday when we talked about having this conversation and this, who knows when this might one day be, but I can't wait until we have the chance to sit down at a physical table, you and I together and play a game one day. Um, I, it's going to happen someday. I Dude, hope. for sure. I wonder if it'll be like, like a 2022 con or something like that. That would be awesome. I would love that. Packs Unplugged. Tentatively plan on it. Yes. <laughs> Do you, so I have a question for the audience and that is, we have told you the games we want to play most when we return, but I'd love to know what games you want to play most when you have the chance to play a game with someone in person again someday. So if you uh, have thoughts about that, you have a game you're just anxious to play, come stop by our Discord. Uh, Jake always puts the Discord in the show notes and, and let us know. I'm genuinely curious what games people are excited to get to the table most. Sounds great. Yeah, my question was going to be, why haven't you joined the Discord yet? Because it's so awesome. We're playing games with folks every day. 
and having great chats. So we'll see you there. And thanks for listening to this uh, kind of rambly, uh, chatty conversation. Uh, It's been really pleasant talking with you, Brendan. I hope that people had a good time listening. Yeah, likewise. Bye, y'all. You are now exiting the decision space. Thanks for listening. Please take care and enjoy the rest of your game. Mm -hmm.